What's up, everyone? This is episode number 56 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And I want to remind everyone that this podcast is a proud member of the Bench Clear Media Network. I encourage you to check out some of their other content, whether it's the House of Jordans podcast. I think they put out a YouTube video this week as well. Uh, the Breaker Culture podcast or the Pack Geek YouTube channel. I know I watched um, a video of him opening some Optic this morning. So check them out. Give them a follow. And then, as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. All right, well, I don't want to spend too long on the intro because I'm really excited about today's episode. Some of you might have seen me post a week or two ago about a virtual sports card convention. Well, today's guest is the guy who managed to organize and put all of that together. And um, before I switch over to that audio, I do want to clarify that we recorded this last Friday. Obviously, the situation with the coronavirus is changing daily, but I still think everything we said in there is pretty much up to date. Um, The only correction I'll make is that Beckett has since paused their operations for the time being. I know when we recorded this, things were kind of up in the air. Anyway, I really enjoyed my chat with Justin. The guy is a wealth of knowledge. And I hope you enjoy it too. All right, guys, joining me today is the second largest mammal to ever be featured on the Wax Museum podcast. Um, some of you know him as Justin. Some of you know him as Alabama Slamma. Some of you know him as 610 Sports Cards. Justin, do you have any other monikers I don't know about? Uh, I'm sure that I do. I would also imagine that there's also plenty more that other people have called me that I am still not aware of. <laughs> unofficial. But, uh, for now, Yeah, exactly. Unofficial. But for now, I think on my $10 Vista print business cards, it's Alabama Slamma and sports cards. So that works. All right. Well, Justin, we'll call you Justin from here on out. Um, in these weird times, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. It's I, every time I try and come up with something that's a little more unique or just a different way to call this other than weird. I just come back to weird because it's, it's this very strange kind of period in history is especially for people that are around my age um, who have, have been around and were a high schoolish age um, around the, the terrorist attacks, terrorist attacks of September 11th. So you've been through that. And then seven years later, you got the financial crisis and now, you know, it's basically about every decade I'm good for something going catastrophically wrong. So we'll we'll check back in in 2030 and hope everybody's still on Earth. But it's just bizarre. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 doing all right. I think everybody's doing the best they can with the hand they've been dealt. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good hand. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of weird to talk about because um, and I, I talked about this on my last episode. I don't like I don't want to be depressing like. We're, we're surrounded by this stuff now nonstop, and I, I don't want your reprieve to be that as well, but I also don't want to, you know, this is the outrage era. I don't want to make light of something, right? We know it's very serious. Um, we know people who are very vulnerable, so it's like, it's kind of a balancing act. So, um, you know, everyone that's listening, just know that this is this is uncharted territory for us too, right? So we're, we're going to approach this thing as best we can. Um, but I do have a, a good hobby veteran on with me today. Uh, so speaking of which, um, I, you know, I know a lot of people know you already, um, but I don't want to assume. 
Justin, can you tell us a little bit about your um, how you started collecting and, and just give us a run through of your hobby history, if you don't mind? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. And, and on your first point as well, I mean, I'd be remiss to say that probably the best thing you can do whenever you talk to anybody at this current day and age is to start the conversation exactly how you did and just say, how you doing? You, you holding up OK? Because I I mean, I, I think that that means more now than it, it normally would. So that's that's a, a great best practice for for kicking off a conversation. Um, but in terms of terms of a collecting pass, so. It's it's a similar trajectory that I'm sure a lot of us had. You know, I I remember the the days of of Little League baseball and going to shout out Village Grocery in Salisbury, North Carolina, um, just getting packs of whether it was ninety one Pinnacle baseball. Um, if if I played well or if I was really feeling my oats, it would be ninety two Upper Deck in hopes of pulling like a a Todd Van Poppel rookie or something like that. Um, but it was a lot of the growing up as a kid in the in the late 80s, early 90s, just buying the the, the peak of the junk wax era. Um, I was I was four or five years too late on the MJ, the rookie stuff, and then four or five years too early on the um, on the, the late 90s insert craze. So I was right in that meaty spot of of the truly awful. But awful. you and, and you missed the Griffey rookie, too, right? And I'm yeah exactly the the Griffey the Griffey rookie may as well have been a LeBron exquisite um, back in the day for me the Griffey rookie and then the Frank Thomas no name on the front although uh, they were still well, printing them by the time you were collecting I think yeah no you're you're probably right there it's not like it was too difficult to fire up that uh, that single laser printer on the back <laughs> of tops and crank out another thousand of those but uh, so yeah it was just it was the standard grabbing packs as a kid trading cards with friends putting them in boxes. Of course, I still have those boxes today. Every time I see my folks, God love them. They're like, is the, is the big one in here? No. Can I throw them away? No. All right. They'll stay in the corner. Um, so I did that. And then, you know, as, as most adolescents do, you move on to other stuff. So I, I probably stopped, uh, stopped collecting like 94, 95. So middle school on through high school. And then, um, I went to college at, at UNC Chapel Hill. And I think probably my junior year i think it was a buddy of mine who was essentially my card mentor uh he's a couple years older than me he's like hey you know there's there's a a card show at the raleigh north carolina state fairgrounds do do you want to go it's just saturday afternoon something to do and i went and you know just that was my first real experience seeing the display cases spread out walking onto a show floor uh seeing all all walks of life uh to put it as nicely as possible, uh, walk milling around, setting up in front of their tables, whether they're selling like, you know, uh, NASCAR, the diecast models, well, whether they're selling sports cards, t-shirts, whatever. Um, but it was, a, it was a pretty good, good size show with some, some good cards. And this was around the time that, again, if you can think back all the way to 2003, um, this was when eBay was still in kind of its nascent stages. So eBay was, eBay was not the gospel. Um, so you could still go to your local card shows and buy, I remember my, my buddy kind of hooked me when he was like, yeah, the last time I went to one of these card shows at the fairgrounds, I bought two or three Michael Vick rookies for a hundred bucks a piece. And then I came back to eBay that night and sold them all for $600 within an hour, um, $600 a piece. So I was like, oh my, oh my (laughs) God. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, a fun way to get back into a hobby that I enjoyed as a kid, but also, you know, buy pay for beer money, dinner money, or whatever the case was. 
so I kind of got back into it in college. And then the first few years after I graduated, um, once I had a bit, a bit of a paycheck, I started, you know, just picking up a few nicer things here and there. Obviously, the, the LeBron stuff was uh, was the craze at the time at, at a mere fraction of what it is now. Um, you know, other guys like Carmelo, D- Dwight Howard, when he was a rookie, just different stuff like that. Um, but then again, it just it just kind of phased out. I bought and sold and traded a little bit online. I mean, I, this goes back all the way to like the when the Beckett message boards were essentially what blowout is today. Uh, but back to the Beckett message board days, <laughs> they were huge sports card. Re- <laughs> uh, they were, they really were. And that's, that's the thing you go there now and it's a ghost or, uh, you know, it's a ghost town, but like places like Beckett, uh, trader retreat, sports card forum, hobby Kings. It's just like all of these things that are essentially shells of a domain in present day were, I mean, just, on fire way back when, because that's, you know, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram. So these were, these were the message boards. So I did a bunch of stuff there. Um, and then again, it was just kind of cycles. So I, I did it for three or four years. Uh, I, I stopped for a while again, maybe another two or three year hiatus. And then I think it was towards the the end of the two thousands, maybe like 2009, I had a, a Wilt incredible autograph that, that I bought, I don't know, maybe 2005 or six. And, you know, I bought it for, 500 bucks and it it was selling for like 12 or 1300 i was like oh okay wow maybe i should look into this again and and from there it's been a pretty steady state of of rebuilding rebuilding the collection um in multiple different ways i've you know i've I've been through several different kind of collecting iterations so to speak i've tried to do the buying in bulk sorting through everything flipping it on on ebay or whatever that was a disaster. I just, I just don't care. I don't have the patience or the discipline to deal yeah. with thousands of cars to try work. and crank out. It's, I know I'm creating work for myself. That's exactly right. And to do, um, you know, to do that at, at what are high margins, but low dollar value returns. It's just, I learned very quickly after a couple of very large purchases, most of which are still sitting in my apartment closet that that wasn't for me. Um, I tried other sports, you know, I started in getting into a little bit of football. Um, I mean, this might be hard for you to believe, but I actually owned a Mike Trout, uh, Bowman Chrome blue refractor rookie auto like five years ago. Um, that was very confusing times for me. Uh, but I got it in a trade and I messed around with it for a while and nothing happened with it. So I, I got rid of it. Whoops. Um, there's plenty of those stories to go around, but, but I, I ultimately just come back to what I like and that's, that's basketball. Um, and you know, I've, I've done in terms of within the basketball lane, like I've, I've done a little bit of prospecting with the buying younger guys early and see what happens again. I know there's a lot of guys who do that very, very well. That's just not for me. I, I just don't really enjoy it. Um, so I, I typically, I, you know, I've done some of the 90s stuff, too. And while they're gorgeous cards, the amount of craftsmanship that went into making them is is second to none. But again, I didn't I didn't come back into the hobby or leave the hobby during that late 90s era. So for me, those don't have the same resonance um, as the as the autograph stuff does. And again, you can probably blame that on the, the Wilt Incredible but I, I typically just come back to, you know, the, the blue chippers. It's Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, mainly autographs, a, a few inserts here and there, some some rookies for LeBron. Um, 
but but those are pretty much my my three guys you know it it creates some pretty significant limitations on what I'm looking for when I go to a show or when I'm trying to make a trade with somebody but again that's just kind of that's kind of my my sweet spot it's what I it's what I really enjoy um, and it, it's what at the end of the day whenever I kind of open up my safe and go through my cards or um, you know try and figure out what I need to do to, to pare back the collection the stuff I'm always putting in the keep pile is uh, the Jordan Kobe LeBron stuff so that's kind of how I've gotten to where I am today you know like I said I've I've done a few regional shows I've been on the message board since I, I mean honest to God like 2005 in some way shape or form probably earlier than that um, and I've set I've set up at the past I think it's seven nationals now the first one I set up out was Baltimore in 2013 uh, and then I've, I've set up every year since then it's just kind of my my one week out of the year to, to make everything available display it enjoy it um, and enjoy, you know, every, everything else that comes along with the hobby too. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's been a lot of twists and turns to, to get me to where I am today, but, um, it's, it, it's certainly, I, I enjoy my little niche and I enjoy the people that are, uh, in the same niche and, and also the folks that collect all the other, the other stuff, because that's a great thing about the hobby is there's, there's plenty of ways to enjoy this. Yeah, you mentioned the the big names. I I saw you post a Zion last week, and I thought maybe you needed to get tested or something. Are you okay? Uh, I am. I am also okay on that front. I actually, and you know, hand, hand up. I'm not much of a Panini guy, but during the the great Prism per- craze of, of 2019, <laughs> December 2019, which again seems like 10 years ago, uh, but but I managed to find when I went back home. Uh, for the holidays to see my folks at the local Walmart, they they had a relatively untouched stash of Prism. Um, so I, you know, I, I grabbed my fair share of Megas and Cellos and a few Blasters. And I was fortunate enough to pull the the Zion Silver that I posted along with some other uh, just fun rookies that I've, I've stashed away. So uh, it's a very fair question to ask because I would also <laughs> ask myself the same question. And I did. And I did as I was creating the post and, and hitting submit. So that's. Back, back in the days where um, you could get lesser diseases at Walmart. So <laughs> now you, you mentioned growing up in Carolina. So I got to ask you, um, was the Larry Johnson rookie, was that like your holy grail? Because that should fit that time frame we talked about earlier. Yeah, it, it, I was definitely a grandmama fan. Um, I, for me, it was the, the Alonzo morning. So the for ba- from a basketball perspective, it was that what was it the ninety two ninety three upper deck the 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 redemption trade card mm-hmm. where you could get the the shack with the yeah. the three image they, yeah, shot they, of they him dunking the yep. hole on the card or the ball where yep. the ball was yeah that, that's exactly right so you got shack you got morning um, you got late I think you got Leitner um, and then the, some others as well. I think it was what either a ten or twelve card redemption set, something like that. But yeah, the re, you got the redemption in the mail. It was in a bubble mailer from Upper Deck. It was in like this small pre-sealed cello clear cello pack, almost like the old eighty four, eighty five star packs. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely opened that one up with with great ceremony when I got it. But I was I love Grandmama, but I was more of a an Alonzo Morning guy, just with the picking my my guys from the hornets right um and there's actually it was there's a very 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 old picture of me when i when i had hair um 
of me at like the Hornets did like an open house type day. And I think it was like eight or nine. And, uh, I was sitting on the baseline and some of the guys that Hornets guys were doing drills and, um, Alonzo pulled me out of the crowd to just like demonstrate how to bump somebody as they cut across the lane. And so I, there's a picture of me bumping Alonzo morning and he's taking a, a very dramatic simulated fall while I've, I've kind of got my, my bony little blonde arm leaning into him with a, a big stupid smile on my face. So I was, I was a big Alonzo morning guy, but I, I also had a couple versions of those Larry Johnson, the grandma react converse way back in the day, the all black ones with that, like, Oh, what was the name of the gel on the back of the heel that did absolutely nothing? But it was like they were the all black ones, but they had like that neon yellow gel packet on the on the heel. I I love those things. Those are sweet. You were you were there in better times. I was there in Charlotte for three years. Um, I had season tickets the year after they had the worst year in NBA history. So that was a fun little time. Um, all right, so let's well, talk. And that's, yeah, and so it's not to go on a Hornets tangent, but that's kind of what's crazy is that people people forget that back in the in the like the late '80s, I think into the mid '90s, the Hornets had a they had some sort of sellout record that at the time was just unbelievable. At the Hive, of, right? Terms, Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, called? exactly at the at the Hive at uh, Charlotte Coliseum out by the the airport. Yeah, they they had some some streak. Uh, like non-fabricated, not a Washington Redskins streak, but an actual streak of <laughs> of home game home game sellouts or highest attendance or something. Uh, until obviously MJ took care of that. But but yeah, Hornets late eighties, early nineties. Hornets was was the jam. Um, all right, you kind of talked about uh, a week or two ago. Just seems like an eternity now. Just the the way things are. You know, so much is happening, but there's so much free time. Right? It's just a really, really strange um, kind of juxtaposition, I guess you could call it. But um, so let's go through what we went through. Um, we had, you know, we saw the other side of the world was kind of dealing with this thing. To me, it just felt distant at the time. I don't know if you felt the same way. You know, it's one of those things like, oh, you know. We don't have to worry about that, right? Um, then California, I know the the Warriors talked about not having fans at, um, it was going to be a Wednesday night game, and I was actually kind of excited about watching it because I remember watching, um, there was a baseball game, it was, I think it was a Baltimore game several years ago, there there were no fans, and it, it was just interesting to watch. Not that I enjoyed it from an entertainment level, but it's just it, kind of the historic part of it, so I was excited about right. that. Well. Then we had the um, the Jazz Thunder thing where Gobert tested positive. Um, a number of things have happened since then. Obviously, the league suspended play. Um, we don't know, you know, if anyone says they know what's going to happen, they're lying. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, PSA has shut down and opened and shut down. Uh, SGC is begging people to send stuff in. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Beckett's stance is. I mean, this is really, it, it's kind of, it reminded me of uh, right before the National. Somebody asked Probstein on his Facebook, they, this was when all the PWCC stuff was like huge. Uh, they said, uh, are you going to be doing any promos at the National? And he said, I don't have to. There's no need to at this point. They right. said something to that effect. So, I mean, that's kind of the SGC approach. Like, please, like, we're open. Try us out. Um, I don't know where, I don't know what Beckett's doing, but anyway, um, so we were all like, what do we do in a hobby? And, um, you created something, uh, in a very, very quick time frame. 
um, and, and maybe it was in development longer than I realized, but you created something called the Virtual Sports Card Convention 2020. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yep. I had to think about it for a second there. Um, so you created this. It was hash. You might have seen it. I tried to post about it. VSCC two zero two zero. Tell us a little bit about this. What was it? How did it come to be? Why did you create this? What was the purpose? Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm I'm like you, and and I'm sure just about everybody else who who listens to this, and that I, I was the exact same way. You know, you start you start hearing about the, and we won't. We'll, We'll, we'll avoid tangents and just kind of stay the course of the facts. But you hear about this and it, it's like, OK, well, this is this is a this is a thing. This is something in the news cycle, but it's halfway around the world. It, You know what? What could what could happen that this will get stamped out or this will stay isolated? And then it continues to grow. It continues to grow. It continues to grow. And then I think the I think the kind of the tipping point moment for me and in, in terms of the like the collecting the hobby the sports world was like you said the the jazz thunder game and when you when you start to read a little bit more about what exactly happened it's it's like that you know you, you there were some tweets of people talking about like you know they they i think they almost like got through the anthem didn't they or like they almost got through yeah. somebody uh, ran out at the last minute right that's exactly right like they were they were minutes maybe even seconds from tipping off, but somebody, one of the team doctors ran out and just threw up arms and, and flat out said, this, this is done. We're stopping this. Um, and that to me, once you start to, or once you started to read about the details of that in the, uh, the days that follows, like that was, that was my, Oh my God moment. What, what is going on? Um, and I was listening to, I was listening to Ryan Rosillo's podcast and he had a good point that, you know, as, as soon as any one of these players in any of these leagues gets comes down with with this bug, you, you have to shut every single thing down because it's it's for any number of different considerations. But the one that he threw out that I didn't necessarily think of was from a fair play perspective, because right. especially with the NBA, if you have guys teams going into the, the stretch run for the playoffs, if, if there's guys that are going down with with this bug going up against, you know, other full strength playoff teams or teams on the cusp, like it's it's an unfair competitive advantage. So that was yeah, that you was can't some... just say sorry, Jazz. Right. It's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you got to You have to suspend or you have to hold out Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell indefinitely. It's like <laughs> that's that's not really that's not really a, a fair approach to this. So that was a, that was an interesting angle that I, I certainly hadn't thought of. But that's when it kind of hit me that like, oh boy, you know, this is, this is going to turn into a thing very quickly. And again, I'm speaking of a thing in terms of sports and the hobby world and not, not the broader sense, but um, yeah. So from a a hobby perspective, a sporting perspective, like it was, the, the dominoes started to fall one by one, the different cancellations for the seasons, the NFL saying, we're not, you know, the draft isn't going to be live, just all of this different stuff that, that started dominoes that just started to fall and started to fall and started to fall. And, um, you know, as the situation became more dire, um, just in the world in general, you know, a, a bunch of us had planned on going to the, uh, Chicago fanatic show, or it might be called something else right now, but we'll just call it the Chicago fanatic show, which was supposed to be last weekend. Um, and kind of the idea behind that was that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, kind of we'll call them mid-major shows, obviously the nationals, the the big leagues, but 
you know, whether it's the Houston TriStar show, they have those three or four times a year. The Chicago Fanatics show is another one that they have three, four times a year. Um, and then the, the TriStar show out in San Francisco, too, um, even though that's that's a bit tougher to get to. But a lot of these shows, as the hobby has grown, have turned into much bigger events, almost like mini nationals. Um, so this was the first one that I had really wanted to go to because the, the last time I had been to just kind of a, a mid-major show like this was the Chicago show in 2016. But I it wasn't it wasn't to go to the show and have fun. It was for, you know, just some some different reasons. Um, so this was the first time just I was excited to get out and kind of see how the hobby's grown, you know, how the, um, the how this is the, the Chicago show and some of these other mid-majors much uh, more closely resemble the the national in terms of the the quality of cards that are out, the quantity of booths that are out, and and just just right. and it's not just all vintage baseball now, right? <laughs> thankfully, it's thankfully it's not, or else I I wouldn't have have booked the flight. But again, just a, a fun weekend and a fun way to to catch up with guys um, that I usually only see once a year. Uh, to maybe you know swing a deal or two and and just a an, an easy weekend getaway trip. So. You know, as the the dominoes started to fall, like I said, with the seasons, with the different events that are getting canceled in the back of my mind, it's like, oh, oh, no, it's it's coming, isn't it? And so I was I was always more glass half empty than than some of the other guys that were going. And, you know, this probably isn't going to happen. I waited very last minute to book my travel. I think I booked my travel maybe a week before the show. Um, But then by I think by Tuesday I had canceled just as things started to really, really spiral and for the, you know, the, the first kind of wave of spirals since we're on wave, God knows what at this point. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I canceled and then other people canceled and then the, sh- <laughs> the people, I don't know who the promoters are that run that show, but they didn't cancel the show until I think Thursday night was when they finally canceled it, when people had driven in. Like, I know the RBI crew guys. And it, it starts Friday, right? Right, it starts Friday. So, that you know, guys <laughs> like RBI crew and, and his gang had driven in from, from St. Louis, and that's seven, eight hours. With, like, trailers. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly right. With all their stuff, they came in Thursday for early setup to get, get settled in, and then that night they were told, like, I think almost as they had everything out that, that it was canceled. So um, that's a... That's a big middle finger to them and also a big middle finger to whoever the, the promoters are for that show because that was that was patently ridiculous to wait that late. But anyway, so once this thing finally got shut down um, or as, as it became more likely that it would be shut down, I think Wednesday I started reaching out to a couple different people to see, you know, what clearly the Chicago thing's not going to work um, for any number of different reasons. Like what what else can we do just to to just to kill time <laughs> to fill that that like weekend void of going to a show knowing that the show's canceled um, and and just try and figure out something else that that might be an option um, and it was kind of like okay well we still have that thing called the internet so I started noodling around with the, the idea of okay when you go to a when you go to a show what do you do at a show you know you I, I hate to get too too oversimplified with this, but you know, you you park your car, you go in, you buy your ticket, um, you maybe look up the list of the dealers that are coming ahead of time, so you know who you want to go to, you know the show's hours, 
Um, so you know when you can when you can make it or when there's going to be people there. Um, and then when you hit the show floor, you go around to different tables, you ask for prices, you talk to dealers, just you know shooting the breeze about uh, sports, current events, whatever. And then you can you move on to the next table and you can come and go at your leisure as you please. Um, and just basically it's an afternoon for you to, to enjoy cards. So the, my thought was, all right, how, how can that translate from a live experience to a virtual experience to an online experience? And it's kind of like, okay, so what's the, what's the biggest kind of hurdle that we would need to overcome in the 40 hours that we're trying to organize this thing? Um, and it was it was just that it was organization. Like, how do we put structure around? How do we put structure around the internet? Um, so we started to just to think about again how what platforms are available in this specific time period that are easy to use. Everybody uses them, um, and that we can you know put some some basic guidelines around. But it won't require people to like download software or create accounts or, or anything like that. And um, the, the default was, was Instagram. So, you know, you, you take the, the time frame of the show, you know, the show's open from nine to five. Okay. Translate that to a virtual show, get everybody online at a certain time, you know, keep it, keep it broad enough where people can move around, but not. So it's just like, Hey, we're doing this within a 60 minute window. So people can't, people are basically stuck. So we put, we said it would be from one to four on sat this past Saturday afternoon. Um, I initially uh, just made some posts, different posts on Instagram with the, the whole idea of a, a dealer concept where each individual could go on their Instagram live feed as a, a quote unquote dealer. And as a dealer, you could either just have a, a sheet of cards or a, a, something on your cards on your table. And that could be, um, you know, that could be your booth. Um, you could just go live and have like a stack of cards ready to go that you can show when people come on and off or talk to people about what they're looking for. Or again, just shoot the breeze. Like, how are you doing? Like, like we started off the interview with, because again, I, I think that that's people, people want to talk about that a lot more than they probably normally would uh, outside of these circumstances. So we, we gave it a, we gave it a time frame. Um, we gave it kind of a conceptual idea of, you know, translating physical tables into virtual tables with the Instagram stories. And then I initially didn't think or hadn't planned on putting together a, a dealer list but um, many different people uh, hit me up on Instagram and, and shout out to them for the idea and said that, hey, this would be the, the one thing if you could do it would be to get like a, a list of people who will be live. So that way people we all follow different people on Instagram. So the li the live feeds that I see aren't the same as the live feeds that li bleh, good God live feeds that you would see or that somebody else would see. So if if we could make some sort of dealer list. And that dealer list essentially was was a post of mine with people who uh, had specified that they wanted to be dealers. There, that post would function as the dealer list, and people would have a centralized location to be able to uh, to see all of the different people that express going uh, interest in going live. Um, you know, at some point during the afternoon, at a certain time, um, and then there were you, the comments were open as well for people to to say, "Hey, I, I want to be a dealer as well." If if they didn't make the initial list, so. It was, it was uh, several different elements. It was 
putting putting structure around it from a time perspective, putting structure around it from a table perspective, putting structure around it from a dealer perspective, and then putting structure around it from a promotional perspective. And from a promotional perspective, it was it was just Instagram. I mean, it was I really don't want to call it viral marketing because viral isn't probably the best word to use right now. Uh, but it was just <laughs> it was just a, it was just a whole lot of um, I also don't want to use this, but just content creation of <laughs> I know I, I, if I if so strike two. Yeah. If, if Justin six months ago knew that Justin now would be talking like this, he would have kicked that Justin's rear end. So I I apologize in advance, but um, but it was. So I think I, I went on Instagram live for 15 or 20 minutes on Thursday night uh, and just kind of explain the concept, explain uh, where the idea came from, outline some of the loose rules that that I talked about and said, you know, just just stay tuned. Like, this is the thing we're going to do. It's free. Anybody can do it. We just want to get as many people online on Instagram as possible uh, within a set period of time to to screw around, to enjoy cards and ultimately to, to take our mind off things for a while. So there was that was the initial video on Thursday night. And then I, I put up a few more related to kind of the, the rules, the tables, some updates, things like that. A lot of different posts with uh, information with the dealer list, like I said, uh, and whatever. And then be, beyond the stuff that I did was just shout out again to everybody else that whether it was a, a repost or a, a like or a share or a tag, whatever the case might be. I mean, I, I know obviously Josh at, at Cardboard Chronicles has a, a huge audience and I very much appreciate him uh, offering up his, his followers or his account to put this, put this stuff out on blast, um, to yourself, to any number of different people, um, that, that helped out with this. Uh, and then also I was, I was very surprised, uh, when I saw that, uh, that, that StockX had thrown one of my posts up in their, um, in their feed. So big, big thanks to them as well, because I, you know, I, that's not really my, my lane in, uh, for the hobby, but um, there, there's no doubt that the uh, their social media reach was was able to bring attention to this to an even an even broader group. So um, again, I, I can't thank you and and everybody else who who posted about this enough because that's that's ultimately what what got people interested in this and um, got me any number of, of DMs that for the most part I was more than happy to answer about how this would work and when's it going to be and stuff like that. And then it. At one, basically at 1 p.m., like I, I probably started getting nervous around noon. I was like, oh, this is just going to be an absolute disaster. Um, there's really, there's really all of the structure that I thought I put into this. Uh, just it, I felt like it was a total house of cards about an hour before we got started. Um, but, at, you know, as, as soon as, as soon as it hit one, I went on and, and just kind of told everybody, thank you. And just reiterated some, some of the general things I had said the the past few days. And from there is just, it turned into a card show. And I mean, it, it was in, it was an online card show. And I mean, I think I was live for probably the first hour, um, just showing off cards, showing off stuff that I had available, talking about stuff in personal collections, answering questions, hanging out. Um, I ducked off my live stream for a while and, and just kicked around to, to all the other people who had feeds up. Um, and then I, for the last 30 minutes, I, I had a couple boxes of revolution that I, that I broke and, uh, just kind of ended the show. And then when it was done, it was like, oh my God, this actually kind of worked. Um, now hold on here before you gloss over that, um, 
Yeah. You told me you had boxes of revolution. I knew you weren't a big panini guy. And in my head, I'm thinking this guy's going to get murdered. Um, like he does, you don't re- like I've opened a box of revolution before and I'm just like, that was it. You know, um, what happened with your box? Tell us what happened. <laughs> oh, oh, you rascal. So that I bought a box of 16 and shout out to blowout cards because I, I live, I live about 30 miles away from their distributor and they will do same day shipping on any orders that you get in by three 30 that day. And I think I, I submitted my order at three 25, um, and they got it out to me. And, and thankfully, since I live so close, it, it got here on Friday afternoon. So big, big shout out to Blowout for that. But I got a, a box of 1617 and 1718 Revolution, one box each. Uh, they were cheap, relatively speaking, compared to at least everything else on that website. Um, so I grabbed those because I just wanted to break some product online. So I opened the 1617 first. Um, I think the best card out of the 1617 was... Uh, was it the Larry Bird cubic? No, it, the cubic was in the 17 and it 18. It was not good, whatever it was. No, it was, it was very, very bad. Um, my favorite card out of the 16 was a Marcin Gortat piece <laughs> card because I... Was it like a I, Frank Mason or something? Or no, that would have been the next year. It was bad, whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, the actual best card was terrible. My favorite card was the Gortat base because I, I kind of look a lot like Gortat. And there's a friendly homeless gentleman that lives near my apartment who always calls me Marcin Gortat and yells that at me. Um, I tried to tell him the first couple of times that it's not I am not Marcin Gortat, but now I just kind of roll with it. Um, I guess, so I was, guess he knows the, him from the Wizards. Otherwise, I was like, what are the odds that a homeless man knows Gortat? Yes, that's exactly that's exactly right. I, I live pretty close to Capital One Arena. So, yeah, the unless he's just good friends with him, I don't know. But. <laughs> Um, so the Gortat was the, the favorite pull in the first box. And then, excuse me, going through the 1718 box. And of course, it starts off as Revolution is want to do, like you said, it's not great. Um, and I made some comment to the guy who won my um, just the contest for uh, just the, some giveaways for different stuff in the box and then some extras as well. I said, I probably just need to send you a $20 bill because this isn't too great. And then the second pack after that, um, flipping the cards. And of course I can't do it with the grace, uh, of the, the online breakers, but, um, I, I pull one of pull one of them over and I notice the galactic first. I'm like, Oh, it's a galactic. And then like, Oh my God, it's a deer and Fox galactic. So the odds of hitting a, a galactic rookie in 1718, I think we're one in every 536 packs. Yeah. It was um, insane. And beyond, uh, I guess Fox at this point is probably the third best rookie from that class. Cause it, Tatum would be first. And then, Donovan yeah, Mitchell. Or, yeah. or if you invest, it's Lonzo Ball, but otherwise, mm, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, ha- uh, hashtag invest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I pulled the I pulled the deer and fox, and, and I unfortunately didn't – I missed your comment in the feed until I saw it when I was re-watching the video and your comment of um, why do you bust wax or something like that with the, uh, the SpongeBob. The meme uh, font, capitalist. yeah. <laughs> the SpongeBob capitalization technique uh, gave me a, a really good laugh in retrospect, but uh, no, it was it was pulling a deer and fox galactic out of a single box was a patently ridiculous way to end a patently ridiculous day. So I was I was over the moon. The the Gortat and the the fox will will never go anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw it, there were actually transactions that took place. So it wasn't like like my quote unquote table is I set out a display case that I use here locally 
And I think I just showed Pacers cards and I'm like, oh yeah, these aren't for sale. And I just kind of talked on for 30 minutes, but it was, a, mm-hmm. I had a blast. Um, but there were actual transactions that took place and I'm still seeing post, um, you know, here we are, whatever, four or five days later, as we're recording this of people saying, Hey, here's my mail of a purchase or a trade that I made at the virtual sports card convention. So, um, you know, it seems like it was a pretty big success. I really enjoyed it. It didn't have to be perfect. You know, I know there right. was there were some critics. Well, what, you know, how will I get to all the tables? Well, don't. Or just watch it later. You know, this is the internet. It's not hard. Um, so just take it for what it is. And I thought it was a lot of fun. Now, uh, with that being said, though, if you were going to organize something like this again, which who knows, you know, who knows what our, our timetable in the next few, you know, the next year even looks like. Um, if you were to do this again, you had a little more time ahead of time. Is there anything you'd do different? I don't, I don't know, honestly, I, cause I diligently went through and put together some notes for, uh, for just some of the, the questions or, or topics that, that we had discussed previously. Um, but when I, when I got to, Going forward, that was the the pen kind of stopped moving for a minute because I I think there there's definitely definitely a way to do this and I think the the biggest thing to change or to improve upon or to incorporate would just be uh, a, a broader advertising base because again this was I think this was about as as gorilla as you can get in terms of Instagram marketing of just blast create stories. It doesn't matter what they are. Just, just keep the, keep the pink and orange circle floating around your, your story feed up in the, up in your profile and and keep it at the top of everybody's story feeds. Um, Just provide as much information as you can and and cross your fingers. But again, I think from maybe from a promotional perspective to get people um, to get people more involved and and to spread the word even more uh, that would be helpful. And I think for me as well, one of the, I mean, a, a lot of the cards that I collect aren't necessarily conducive to selling in general, let alone in like a three hour period. Um, so it, it just maybe if you, if you wanted to, to sell or to trade or just to talk or whatever, maybe try and get some more structure around that. So people can know, maybe have a little more pointed direction with, with where to go. Um, and again, I know there's a, there's a whole mess of people that have said, Hey, I've got some ideas for the next one. And I, I, I very much want there to be a next one. And I think that there will be. Um, but unfortunately I haven't had the chance to, to get back with a, a lot of the folks that, um, that did reach out, just trying to figure out this God awful work from home situation, uh, this week. But that's one of the things I planning on do this plan on doing this weekend is, uh, touching base with a lot of guys who shot me DMs just to see what kind of ideas there are. And I guess to to invert the question uh, back to my uh, humble host, wh- what was, I guess, what were a th- an observation or two that, um, that that stuck out to you as, as something that, that we could either, again, fix or improve upon or, or whatever going forward? Uh, well, I, I think you kind of alluded to it there, but you got guys like me who, yeah, I had car, I, I pulled out my, you know, my local show inventory, which is nothing huge, but, um, and I had cards out with stickers on it, but the reality of it was, as I just wanted to talk 
and um, maybe that's a separate event. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got a maybe you've got an event where, um, hey, everyone's going to take out a ten minute block and talk about a set they really like, or you know, I don't want to call it like hype fest or something, but like um, you know, like hey, if I want to talk about tops total for ten minutes, if you want to hear about tops total, come you know listen to me at this time. That way, you know, I had people coming in asking about stuff for sale and it was like, oh yeah, I'm kind of, I'm not actually really selling a lot of stuff. So maybe if we'd split those two things up, um, you know, I'd just love to hear everyone just contribute, you know, people feel like they either have to make a podcast or they can't do anything. Well, you, you know, go on Instagram for five minutes, talk about a set you really like, talk about a player you really like for all the investor types, you know, tell me that Trey Young is actually good right? Convince me, um, you know, whatever, whatever they want to do, maybe we could split the, the actual transaction part and the talk part, even though you don't really want to do that at a show, both things take place at a show, but in the, the digital world, um, you know, it might be better suited to do that. I don't know. That's just an idea. No, I think that's, I think that's a good idea because I, I know there, there was a, a group of, a group of people that had mentioned, um, you know, Oh, so you're going to do another one in a, next week, and I, I'm very, very glad to hear that you enjoyed yourself and and had a great time and want to do this again. Um, I don't foresee this being like a weekly thing. Um, right. if, if I had to guess, I would say that this is probably most effective in a monthly format, just to allow like a you know a again, since we started working with roughly two days, but allow like a, a, a week of lead time to do promotion stories, whatever. And then maybe a, a week before that, or a few days before that. And of course, a bunch of this, these tasks would run concurrently, but just to organize it and figure out, you know, what, what we can do better um, would go a long way as well. So I, I don't, I don't think this is like a, it's definitely not a weekly thing. I don't think it's a a bi-weekly thing either. Um, but I could see, I could see the online shows very much being a, a monthly occurrence. And then to your point as well, just having different, almost like bolt on activities, whether it's an hour or two on Saturday where, um, you know, we, you just, you just pick a topic, like, you know, show off, show off one card or three cards or five cards or whatever, uh, that, that are true personal collection and are not for sale. Or tell us tell us a collecting story. Like you you get there's a five minute window, and it it doesn't even have to be everybody's live, but because obviously you can't really run around and and try and catch different people's five minute stories. That's that's definitely impractical. Right. But if it was something along the lines of hey this weekend um, everybody post a, a five minute video about like why you collect cards, or post a five minute video about your favorite set or something like that. So there's, there's new content that's being created from a lot of different people and it's content under the umbrella of kind of that virtual sports card convention, uh, concept, because again, that's the, that's the beauty of the internet. You know, it's not, it, we, we don't need all the brick and mortar or excuse me, the planning time and the lead time to plan a brick and mortar show, uh, like the, you know, like the national folks do. I mean, that that's done years in advance. The mid-major shows are done months and months and months in advance. And we don't, we don't have to worry about that. Like if somebody's got an idea, um, as we saw, you can just 
put up the idea, um, gets submit or submit or solicit feedback from from different folks about a good way to do it or the the idea in general, and then just execute it. So, again, the the internet's there's a lot of bad on the internet, but at the same time, I I do think its its powers can be can be harnessed for good and be harnessed for a good in a, a pretty short time frame as well. Um, so there, there's definitely definitely different things that we can do that almost might be ancillary type events to maybe uh, a monthly show. Right. And, uh, you know, I know when I've done some of the kind of similar to this, but not live necessarily, the listener forum episodes, you know, I, I try and encourage people like, you know, you have something unique to offer. Right. You, you know, your collect everyone's collecting story is different. And that, you know, even like with Cardboard Chronicles, that was the idea behind that when Josh started that is that, you know, even you and I could collect LeBron, for, for example, but we go about it in different ways or are, you know, we do it for different reasons. Right. So that and that's the kind of stuff I think we want to hear. Um, so you know, maybe we'll have to, um, you know, even if, if that's not part of the next virtual show or if, or if somebody out there is listening and you want to you know, pose a question and have people answer. It doesn't have to be super official. Throw a hashtag on, you know, encourage people to do it, have some of your friends do it. And there you go. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the, the fun things that, that I really enjoyed with the show as well is just seeing a, a bunch of, a bunch of my non collector friends who, you know, they don't make fun of me, at least to my face, but you know, they, they get a, they get a good laugh whenever I see them about, uh, me and, and my little uh, weird corner of the cardboard world, but you know they were they I mean, collecting pictures of men no. and spending hundreds of dollars on them is is strange. I mean, when you put it like that, I don't, I really don't see the issues with it. But they were <laughs> like, you know, they were on early when I when I first got started. Um, they they were on during the the box breaks, and and when I got done, they're like, I'm not gonna lie, man, it was a lot of fun, and a lot of them, um, you know, a lot of them have kids too, and that's that's how this whole kind of cycle just keeps going is that we do it and then kids do it and kids, kids do it. And it's just like, like you said, and, and like Josh has said, and like we all try and say and reiterate as much as possible. It, it doesn't matter if you have a million dollar collection, a hundred thousand dollar collection or a hundred dollar collection. I mean, the, the whole point of card collecting is that it's, it's a hobby and it should be fun. And there's so many different ways to stay engaged and to make this fun. And again, there's always, there's always going to be those moments of keeping up with the Joneses or, Oh man, I wish I had more, but at, at its heart, there's so many different ways to do this to in ways to do it that you can find so much enjoyment in. Um, and there's always somebody else who shares your interest. Always. You can have the most obscure stuff, but somebody else is certain to always or to be collecting similar type things out there as well and and when you find those bonds or connections it's just it's just so wonderfully bizarre it is is something something different about that right and i try to explain that to other people and it doesn't always come across i think you did an excellent job of, of doing so there um, I also think that's a, a great stopping point for us. I know I could talk cards forever, and I, I'm sure I'll, I'll have to have you back on the show at some point. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Before I let you go, um, where can people find you? And then is there anything else that you would like to plug? Yeah, it, and it's not it's not so much a plug. It's just kind of, you know, to, to put on my 
old guy hat for a second. You know, the the whole reason, the main reason I wanted to do this, the, the virtual sports card show is that, you know, like we kind of talked about, nothing makes sense right now. Nothing, nothing at all. And a lot of the problem with nothing makes sense is that there's just so much uncomfortableness with uncertainty in general, let alone this degree of uncertainty in the, the world and the landscape and the hobby for that matter. So the hope was that this little virtual sports card convention could get a bunch of people together to hopefully, you know, forget about the outside world from a minute, but also to help other people understand that, Hey, we might all be stuck for the most part inside and we can't really interact with people anymore. Um, but you can take comfort in knowing that you're not the only one who's uncomfortable with all of this uncertainty. There are plenty of other people who are in the same boat as you who are also trying to make our way through and, and wade through uh, all of these ridiculously uncertain times. And I, I'm trying not to go with the the tired trope of misery loves company, but you know it's it's important to know that whether you're whether it's with work whether it's with the hobby, whether it's with family, whatever, it's, it's like, you know, we're, we're all very, we're, we're all very, very separated right now, but we're not alone by any stretch. So if there's anything I can ever do um, to help, whether it's just to shoot the breeze on Instagram or uh, whatever, um, you can find me, you can hit me up at, uh, my Instagram is at 610 sports cards. So at 610 sports cards. Um, no, I do not live in Philadelphia. I get that message about once every couple months of, uh, Hey, do you live in Philadelphia? Um, can I buy your Instagram? And it's like, no, I'm, I'm almost seven feet tall. That's why that's what it is. Um, but yeah, at this point it's, it's mainly just, just the Instagram stuff. Uh, I, I mess around a little bit on Facebook, but that's what, with a Facebook profile that's solely for cards. So yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the 610 sports cards on Instagram. I, I don't really, I don't really mess around on blowout much any, anymore, but like Kyle said, it's, it's Alabama slamma. Um, you can ask me from like 13 years ago why I decided to make that my my online handle, but I've kept kept it for consistency purposes and and it kind of works. Um, and yeah, like I, like I said, I'm I'm always around. Shoot me a message, uh, and I will I'll do my best to to help out however I can. All right. Well, thank you very much, Justin, and hopefully I'll be talking with you again later. Yes, sir. Sounds great. Thank you, Kyle. And there you have it. Once again, I want to thank Justin for coming on. I figure I'll have him back on again at some point in the future because there's just so much that we could talk about. But for the time being now is where I shift things back to you guys, the listener. Is there a hobby-related topic that you're knowledgeable about or passionate about? You know, you, you heard our conversation about um, the virtual sports card convention and how all that came to be. Maybe there's an idea that you've been kicking around that you want to maybe see it play out. You know, is there something you can provide that you think would benefit some of the great people in this hobby? Well, I want to see it. Some of you have a little more free time right now. So step out on a limb, put some of those ideas into action. Um, feel free to tag me in the comments so I can take a look. As I've said before, my Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store, tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos, and until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.